Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Please be seated in God's presence. It's just a great honor to be at Elevation Church. Uh, Pastor Matthew has spoken so highly of this church and has created an expectation for me to be here. So I'm honored to be here, Pastor Godman, and to be with your wife and this great church and be part of what God is doing. It's obvious that this is a cutting-edge church. It's a church on the move. It's a church that is setting new standards. It's a church that is expanding the frontiers of Christianity. And we are honored to be associated with what is going on here. We believe that God is truly elevating people in this place. And God is establishing his people in power and righteousness. And I trust that the moment I have with you would be a beneficial one, that God will speak to you, that God will bring clarity to your life, that God will help you to get to the place that he wants to take you. We are trusting him to accelerate us and cause us to gain ground. And you will definitely gain ground and you will be accelerated. Thank you once more, Pastor, for the invitation. It's a great honor. It's a great opportunity to be here. I'm speaking uh, tonight um, on a subject that is quite fundamental and it's a questing. And my questing is, where are you? Where are you? And in this message, I'm going to discuss the stages of life, the cycles of life, and I'm going to try to help you to locate yourself where you are and where you ought to be going to. I trust that when you leave here tonight, you have a clear sense of where God has got you into and what God is going to do with you in the next phase of your life. I'm going to start my message with uh, a reading from the book of Genesis chapter 3 and uh, I would read verses 8 and 9. Now the background to this story, what I'm about to read is that Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden. They have partaking of the fruit that God had told them not to partake of. And God comes to speak to them. And in the process, he asks them a question. So Genesis 3 verse 8 to 7. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. And Adam and his Eve and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? That is the first question in the Bible. And it is a question that was asked by God. It was not a question for God to glean information. 
It was a questing for Adam to find his location. Where are you? It's very interesting when you read this passage that when Adam and Eve sinned, they heard a voice of God and the Bible says that God was walking in the garden. I don't know about you, but if you're a parent and uh, your children mess up, And for example, uh, you hear that a glass or something has broken in one part of the house. I don't know how many parents go to their children walking. Most will go running and screaming. But God was walking to Adam and Eve, not running and shouting because he was not going in a spirit of condemnation. He was going in a spirit of reconciliation. He went walking and seeking to redeem. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve uh, did not receive what God brought to them and they lied their way to damnation. So the first question that God asked them is, where are you? He wanted Adam to ask himself, where am I? This question can only be answered in a relational sense. When somebody asks you a question, where are you? You always answer that question in relationship to something else. So for example, if you are driving in town and somebody calls you on your phone and asks you the question, where are you? One of the first things you do when you hear that question is to look around you. Because you want to locate where you are in relation to something else. And so you look around and you say, probably I'm behind that building or I'm in this area or, or something else. You try to locate where you are based on something that is fixed. Now, you don't say, I'm behind the yellow car. Because that yellow car is changing direction. And, and so you cannot say, I am fixed because that car is moving. You always answer where you are based on something that is fixed, something that is standard. So when God asked Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to find out where he was in relation to something that is fixed. And the thing that is fixed is God's standard and God's measurement for us to locate where we are in life there are two important things that we will consider today the first that we will consider is what i call the stages of life the stages of life and the second thing we'll look at today is the cycles of life the cycles of life the stages of life are hierarchical they move from up down to up the cycles of life or the seasons of life they are repetitive so let me first start talking about the stages of life in first john chapter 3 verse 12 to 14 the apostle john writes these words he says i write to you little children Because your sins are forgiven to you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men. 
because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to your children because you know the father and so on and so forth. Now, if you read that passage, there are three growth levels that are indicated there. Children, young men, and fathers or mothers. Children, adults, elders. Children, adults, elders. At every stage in life, wherever you are, you are either a child, an adult, or an elder. Now, who is a child? A child is somebody who is at the learning stage of life. At the learning stage of life. A child is somebody who needs someone to help him. A child is a person who says, I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to lift me up. I need somebody to teach me. If that is your language in life, you're always saying, I need help. I need somebody to teach me. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to lift me up. May I suggest to you, you are a child. The childhood stage is when you are constantly looking for help and constantly learning. Unfortunately, this stage is not only for people who are chronologically children. That means that they are children in age, but people who are in terms of maturity, children. So it's possible to find a 60-year-old child. Somebody who has grown to be 60 years old but has never become independent and is always looking for somebody to lift them up. That is a child. And unfortunately, it's possible to even get people in leadership position who are children. The Bible says, woe unto a nation when its king is a child. Now, when it says its king is a child, it's not talking about the king being young in age, but being dependent, a person in leadership who cannot lead and is always looking for somebody to lift them up. That's a child. The second stage is an adult. An adult is a person who is committed to living, a person who is committed to doing exploits in their life. Adults are those who know and use their strengths. They are focused on overcoming obstacles. When you give them problems, they want to solve them. Adults are people who are looking for trouble. People who are looking for challenge. People who are looking for opportunity. That is an adult. If you are at that stage in your life where you wake up in the morning and you want to fix something, you want to solve a problem, you want to go and get something done, you are at the adult stage of life. Then there is the third stage, the elder. The elder is focused on legacy. The child is focused on learning. The adult is focused on living. The adult, uh, the elder is focused on legacy. A legacy person says, I need to empower somebody. If you wake up in the morning and all you want to do in life is you want to help somebody to make it in life. You want to empower somebody. You've already lived your life. You've, you've achieved your goals. You have, you have become successful. And now you want to impart what you have to somebody else. You are an elder in life. 
So at every point in life, you are either a child, you are an adult, or you are an elder. The question is, where are you? Are you a child? Are you an adult? Are you an elder? In Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, there are people who can grow in age but never mature in experience. Because they never put what they learn into practice. It's great to read books. But the value of books is not the knowledge in them, but the experience you glean out of them. If you're just going to read books for reading's sake, but never use the knowledge to do anything, you're going to be a child, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. A child is somebody who is always absorbing, but never using. Always learning, never understanding. Always seeking, but never finding. In the stages of life, there are young people, infants, there are adults, and there are elders. God's desire is that you grow to become an elder. You become a legacy person, a person who is able to impart what they have to another generation. So that's the stages of life. That's one way to measure where you are. Am I a child? Am I an adult? Am I an elder? The other way to discover where you are is through the cycles of life or the seasons of life. The cycles of life or the seasons of life. Genesis chapter 8 verse 21 to 22. This is after uh, Noah and his family had been delivered from the flood. And they made a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I've done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. There are six broad seasons or cycles that are put, uh, are stated in this passage. Six broad ones. First is seed time. Seed time is a time for seeds, for sacrifice, for investing. Seed time is a time when you are doing the things that are required for you to get the things that you need. It is a time for digging deep. It is a time for planting the seeds for the fruits you want in the future. Seed time is a time of sacrifice. It's not a time for reward. When you are in the seed time season of your life, you don't go looking for reward. You go looking for opportunity to invest and to make a sacrifice. Then there is the harvest season of your life. A harvest season of your life is when you are bearing fruits, when you have rewards, when there is growth. It's when you are reaping. 
have a season is a time when God creates abundance for you. A harvest season requires you being strategic because harvest time requires more work than seed time. One person can plant a field, but it takes a number of people to reap the harvest of the field. Because when it's harvest time, you have to be strategic. When you are in the seed time of your life, you're sowing seed. When you're in the harvest time of your life, you are reaping rewards. Then there is the cold or the winter season. is a time of dryness and loneliness. The cold season of your life is a time when you feel dry and rejected. When you enter a cold season, you feel like nothing is working for you. Although things are working, it looks like nothing is working. All of a sudden, everything is dead in your life. Everything has gone dry. It's a season. When you live in temperate environments where the seasons are more pronounced, because in our part of West Africa, we have two main seasons. It's either raining or not raining. So, um, the four seasons don't make too much sense here. I mean, we, the closest we can get to uh, winter is Hamilton, when it's very dry and, and the trees shed their, their leaves. But in the temperate weather, when it's winter time or the cold season, um, the trees, most trees just shed everything. The grass dies and withers. But if you are observant, you know that you don't cut down trees in winter because the winter season may appear to kill a tree, but when spring comes, the tree is going to come up again. So in the winter season of your life, you don't cut down what you are doing because although it looks dead, it's still working. So there is a winter season of life. There is a winter season of life. Then there is the summer season or the heat season. It's a time for warmth, a time for joy, a time when you are embraced, a time when everything seems bright, when you feel good about yourself. Sometimes you can be in a summer season of your life when everything is going wrong, but you are in summer. Everything is going wrong, but you are happy. Because you are in a summer season of your life. It's a time of warmth, a time of embracing, a time when everybody loves you. Then there is a night season. The night season is a time of darkness. It's a time when you are unnoticed. Everything is quiet. This is when no one takes note of you or what you are doing. The night season is a time when you are on the backside of the desert. You're working so hard, but nobody notices you. Because the night season is a time for dreams. Not fulfillment of dreams, but the time to dream. So although everything looks dark around you and nobody sees you, in your heart, in the night season, you will be incubating a dream. You have big plans. And sometimes when you talk about people, about your dreams in the night season, they look at you and everything is dark around you. They think you're probably crazy. Because here are you talking about great things happening because you are dreaming in the night season. But the reality is that nothing is happening. But the night season of your life is a time for dreaming. And then there is the day season. The day season is a time when light and exposure and recognition comes to you. It's when people begin to take notice of you and appreciate what you are doing. 
Sometimes a day season brings you reward. And in addition to reward, it brings you enemies. Because in the night season, because people don't notice you, they cannot target you. But in the day season, when everything is working for you, that is when you become an easy target. Enemies multiply in the day seasons of life. The thing to understand about the seasons of life and the cycles they go through is that because we interact with people, we can interact with people in different seasons of life from ours. So, for example, I can be in the seed time of my life, but I may be interacting with you in the harvest season of your life. Now, when I'm interacting with you, in the, you are in the harvest season, I'm in a seed time, I will see you reaping and I'll see myself not reaping. Now, the danger is you may think because you are related to somebody in his harvest season, you are also in your harvest season. Or because he's in his harvest season, you must get the same reward that he is having. But that may be his harvest season. It may be your seed time season. Are you following me? Now, for example, for example, you can walk or work in a ministry. Let's say you work with Pastor Godman. And this is a half a season of his life. Everything is just growing in. He spits and trees come up. Whatever he touches gets blessed. It's a harvest season. You know, he comes and pitches tent here and it's full. It's harvest season. But this harvest season is a result of seed time somewhere. Are you following me? Now, he wasn't just born into a harvest season. He went through a seed time season. And now he's in a harvest season. And it, it, it's a season of day. It's light. Recognition is coming. Now, you may come to work with him in this ministry. So, for him, he's in harvest season. For you who is working with him in the ministry, you are in seed time. Now, you have to understand that. Otherwise, you'll be asking for reward instead of investing. So, many times, people go to work for other people who are in their harvest season... And when they go, they are looking for salary increase and better terms and conditions of service. And they forget it is not their harvest season. It is your seed time, but you are working with somebody who is in a harvest season. Now, it's possible, even in a ministry, for the leader of the ministry to be in a night season and his associate to be in a day season. So you may find the associate becomes more popular than the senior pastor. The associate may think because he's in a day season, he is in a superior ministry. It's not a superior ministry. It's just a season of your life where God is putting the shine on you. What you have to understand that seasons are cyclical. So you start in the light, you may go into the dark. 
And the person who is in the dark comes into the light. Are you following me? Now, you have to understand the seasons of life. When you are in a cold season of life, nothing works. You sow seed, it doesn't germinate. Everything you've planted seems to die. People who are not fit to clean your shoes insult you freely and go home freely. And you, you, you wonder what's happening to me when David was in, in the night, in a cold season of his life, when his own son Absalom ran him out of his palace. David is going out of Jerusalem and some guy, Shimei, just shows up and starts hurling insults at David and throwing stones at him. And his, his, his armor bearer said, let's go cut him off. David says, leave him alone. I'm in a cold season. I need to go through this cold season. Because when you go through a cold season, people who used to embrace you will reject you. People who used to love you will betray you. And you may think, oh God, my dream is dead. Your dream is not dead. Because the tree that seems dead in winter is going to receive moisture in spring. And that tree is going to come up again. It is a season of life. Now, how do you understand the season? You have to understand it based on the stages of life. If you are a child, you will misinterpret the seasons of life. You would look at one season and think that is a permanent feature of your life, but that will not be a permanent feature. It takes the elder to properly interpret the seasons of life and cooperate with God. No season of life is a disadvantage. Neither is any season of life a curse. Every season is a blessing, but it blesses us in a different way. The blessing of the cold, the blessing of the night. Can you imagine just being in the day and doing so much work, but never having new ideas, not dreaming again? So God brings you in the light a bit and takes you through the darkness. So you dream again. Then he brings you to the light and takes you to the darkness. So you dream again and bring you to the light. So you go, because you have to have that cycle. When you are fruitful, he needs to make your, your leaves shed itself. So you can rest and be fruitful again. And be better at what you do. God deals with us in the seasons of life. Now, I'm going to show you how this works practically from the scripture. And I'm going to show you two case studies in the Bible of seasons and how they work in people's lives. Please go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 16, verse 6 to 11. It's a very interesting story about three people. Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. But the one we're going to focus on mostly is Hagar. People don't preach much about her, but uh, she's a powerful woman in the Bible. Hagar was uh, Abraham's servant. 
She had served the house of Abraham for years. It was seed time for her, just sowing, sowing, serving, serving, serving. No reward, serving, 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 serving. Then one day, Sarah has a brilliant idea and says to Abraham, I think you should have a child with Hagar. Now, any woman who has such a bold, audacious idea is either totally crazy or probably is is hearing from another source. So, Abraham accepts the proposal. And uh, Hagar becomes pregnant with Abraham's seed. So, at this point, you can say, Hagar is in a seed time because she has seed in her stomach. She's pregnant. Seed time must yield to harvest time. So, she's about to go into harvest for all the years of service in the house of Abraham without any reward. She's about to go into harvest. Now, I want you to follow carefully what is happening here. Genesis 16, verse 6. So, Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. Now, the background to this is Sarah is now unhappy with Hagar and wants to really mistreat her. So, Abraham says, Go ahead. You, you are the boss. You are the madam. She's your maid. You know, deal with her as you please. That's not something to tell your wife. They will always overdo it. <laughs> so, indeed, your maid is in your heart. Do, do to her as you please. And listen to this. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. She is in a seed time and she is being treated harshly. The logical response is flee. That's the logical thing. It makes sense. You are in the seed time. You are not celebrated where you are. They don't love you where you are. You've been treated harshly. Leave. But listen and watch what happened. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. By the spring of the way on the way to Shur. And he said, hey, Gassara's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. Hagar is in a seed time of her life. She's about to enter a harvest season. But just as she's about to enter the harvest season, she moves into a wilderness. So the the effect is she's going to harvest in the wilderness and every harvest in the wilderness will be killed. The wilderness is not the place for her seed to be harvested. 
So the angel says to her, you have been patient to, with your seed time. Go back to the house of Abraham and give birth to your child in the house of Abraham. Because that child in the house of Abraham must be blessed by the hand of Abraham. And when the child is blessed, that child will be great and mighty. What is the angel telling Hagar? It is your seed time. But don't move from your seed time into a cold season. Because when you do that, you will abort and destroy what God is giving to you. Listen to me. Sometimes what appears logical is not spiritual. Sometimes there, there are places that God wants you to stay because there is a commanded blessing in that place for you. And, and you have to have the discernment of an elder to know that although I'm treated harshly in this place, I have an inheritance in this place and I'm not going to leave until I grab my inheritance. Wrong response to the seasons of life can kill what you are carrying. Now, if you read the story later on, when the boy was a bit older, they left. Hagar left. Abraham blessed the boy, blessed Hagar, sent them off with bread and water to the wilderness, the same wilderness. But at this time, the boy has a blessing upon his life. He's carrying the blessing of Abraham. So he goes into the wilderness. And they're they're, they're thirsty. They're about to die. And they're crying to God. As, As a matter of fact, Hagar is praying. The boy is almost collapsed. Heat stroke. He's dying. An angel of the Lord appears to Hagar and says, I heard the cry of the boy. I heard the cry of the boy. Not your cry, the cry of the boy. Because the blessing is not on you, it's on her. On him. He's the one carrying. He's your harvest. He's your ticket to greatness. He's the one who will guarantee your safety. And you carried him through the seasons of life to deliver him at the right place. And in that place, in this second visitation, the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, Look around, there is a well. And they have water. She survives, the boy survives. Why? Because she had guidance on how to nurture her seed time into her harvest season. The struggles of life mostly are the struggles or the product of ignorance of seasons. It has nothing to do with whether you're praying much or not praying much. It is that you don't understand how to handle the seasons of life. There are people asking for reward at the wrong time. Gehazi was in a seed time and he went to harvest clothes and reap leprosy. And this is what Elisha said to him. Is this the time? To receive rewards. In other words, there would come a time to receive rewards, but you are not in that season yet. 
When it is not your season of harvest, harvest is a temptation. Second case study. Second case study. A man called Jacob is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Gets into trouble because he gets blessed. Collects a blessing. His brother Esau had carelessly disposed of. But Esau hates him and so Jacob leaves. And in verse chapter 28 of Genesis from verse 10. It says, now Jacob went up from Beersheba and went down toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. Note what is happening. Jacob has left his father's house and he has entered a season of life, a night season. The sun is set on him. In other words, Jacob... You have entered a season of life where you work so hard but not be recognized. Everything's going to happen to you in the dark. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up to earth. So in the night season we dream. Jacob has entered the night season of his life. This night season of Jacob's life went on for approximately 21 years. So seasons are not like 12 hours. You can go through a 21 year season. And to show you how his season of night was, he goes to the house of Laban And works for seven years for a wife. Seven solid years. How much were you paid? One wife. (laughs) And watch what happens. On the day he's supposed to receive his reward, his reward comes in the night. Because he's in the night season. His reward comes in the night. He looks for the, at the reward in the morning and realizes it's the wrong thing. I've been cheated. Because when you are in the night season, you don't see clearly. So he works for another seven years for two wives. After seven years, 14 years, he says to his father-in-law, give me a part of the business. Let me start doing something for myself. So, He starts and then God increases him, but he's going through all kinds of struggle. He makes money and the money is taken from him. Uh, His sheep increase and and the salaries are changed. And he says that they are changed about 10 times. It's a night season. So one day, Jacob gets a staring and tells his wives, by this time he has two with two concubines. When you're in a night season, you, you, you just marry anything. You know, <laughs> so he has two wives, two concubines, and and he says to them, "I'm going back 
I'm going back. 21 years, I've worked hard. I have wives and children. I have some sheep, but I've not been treated well for 21 years, night season. Now watch what happens to him. Genesis 32 from verse 22. He says, and he arose that night, the night when he has an encounter. He arose that night and took his two wives, two female servants, 11 sons, crossed over to the fort of Jabbok and took them, sent them over to Jabbok and sent over what he had. Now, what has happened to Jacob here is that he, a season is about to change. The season, night season is about to change. And when seasons are about to change, they get intense. You see, the night is darkest before day. The day is hottest before afternoon. So, every season is at its highest peak when it's about to change. When, when it's your day season, you are at your highest peak, then you're about to change. When it's your night season, it's the highest peak, you're about to change. When it's winter, it's the coldest, you're about to change. When the struggle seems the most severe, it signifies a season is about to change. A season is about to change. So this is what is happening to Jacob. 21 years he's been in the night. This particular night, he hears the worst story he's ever heard. That his brother Esau is coming to meet him. Esau whom he's been running away from for 20 years, says, tell Jacob, I'm meeting him. We'll meet at the junction. So now Jacob is scared. He sends off everything he has, and he's alone. Verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And now when he saw that he could not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what's your name? He said, Jacob. And say, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and prevailed with man and you have prevailed. Very interesting. The change of name happens in the night season of his life because he's about to enter a new season. He's carried the name Jacob for all his life. It's a name, it's a name his father gave him because the father didn't understand his destiny. The father saw Jacob at birth or the, the people who saw him at birth that he, his hand was holding the heel of his brother. In other words, immediately his brother was born, he came along. And and they just looked at him and said, He's a crook. That's it. Supplanter. Now, had he committed any sin? No. Has he supplanted anybody? No. He's just showing how eager he is to enter the world, and the people don't understand it. His father says, Crook. Now, now when we hear the name Jacob, it sounds spiritual to us. You know, because it's, it's, it's undergone all kinds of changes. You know, so we hear Jacob and we say, well, that's a nice, powerful name. But it just means crook. 
So can you imagine going through life? People, are, you meet people the first time. Hey, hi, what's your name? Crook. <laughs> Who gave you that name? My father. Why? I came out too fast. It was a name of his father that did not reflect his destiny. And for 21 years, he has carried the name, he has carried the name Jacob and he's been cheated with a wife, cheated everything. People, people have just been mishandling him. But this night of intensity, his brother is against him, an angel is wrestling him, but in that night, his name gets changed to the rightful name he should have been named by originally. He should have been called Israel, but his father misnamed him because he was destined to carry the nation that God was birthing. It was not going to be called the nation of Abraham or the nation of Esau. They're going to be called the nation of Israel after this character, Jacob. That's why when people say Jacob is a crook, I said, do you think God would name a whole nation after a crook? His own nation? No. Jacob wasn't a crook. He was misunderstood. So, his name changes. Verse 30. So, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Now, watch verse 31. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him. When he entered, started his journey... The sun has set. As he starts this new journey after 21 years, the sun is rising. God is saying, Jacob, you have prevailed in the night. Now it's your day season. You will be recognized. You will be celebrated. A nation will be named after you. The people who cast you out will come and embrace you. And remember when he met his brother Esau, Esau couldn't kill him. Esau embrace him because in the day season nobody can kill you in the day season you will be embraced you will be celebrated you will be elevated in the day season you will gain ground but it came after 21 years every one of us is in a season Because at every point in time, you are either exiting a season, in a season, or entering a season. There are only three locations you can ever be. You are either leaving one season to the other, you are in a season, or you are entering a new season. So I came here to ask you at the beginning of this conference, where are you? Where are you? Where are you in the season of life? Don't curse the season. I like, I like the people, the Europeans and Americans and this. I like them. Because they celebrate every season. They have summer Olympics and winter Olympics. Because every season has its benefit. Don't curse the season. You have to use the season. They have summer clothes and they have winter clothes. 
The fashion designers love it because you change clothes four times a year. You're going to have summer wear, you have fall, you have winter, you have spring. They have even winter shoes in, and, and summer houses. And you go for summer vacation and winter vacation. I don't know how we Africans would have handled it if we had it that way. Maybe we'll just hide until summer. And curse the winter. And bind it in the name of Jesus. And dip it in the blood of Jesus. Don't curse the seasons of your life. It may be winter. But it's preparing you for spring. Because winter is when the snow comes. And when water feeds into the ground. When moisture gathers under your roots. Because you are about to spring forth again. In winter, God is preparing you for growth. Winter is not a curse. Even the darkness is not a curse. It was in the darkness that Jacob had his greatest dreams. He dreamt about how to solve his problems. He dreamt about the future. He dreamt about the nation God was going to raise him to build. He dreamt about how to transfer wealth. He saw all of that in the night season. The night season has its characteristics, but it is not a curse. You have to celebrate it. And don't rush yourself out of the seasons of life. Don't rush yourself. Now, many times when we come for conferences like this and we say acceleration, everybody would think they will accelerate at the same pace. Some will accelerate in winter. Some will accelerate in summer. Some will accelerate in in daytime. Some will accelerate in the night. But they all accelerate, but it's not going to be the same. Your movement is not going to be like everybody's movement. You're not going to get exactly what everybody has. For some of you, it's acceleration of seed time. And all you're going to do is just sow seed and sow seed and sow seed and sow seed and serve 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 with your blood and serve with your tears and serve and nobody recognizes you and nobody appreciates you but it's a sowing season. He that goes forth continually weeping sowing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing the tears are important the weeping is important because it is a sowing season you don't rejoice in a sowing season it's hard when you are sowing it's hard when you're sowing and 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 you you get nothing out when i started ministry i sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed sowed and sowed walk to all kinds of places and preach. In those days, you know, when you preach, people just shake your hand. God bless you, brother. And you walk back home. God bless you. They, God bless you. Or they lay hand, they put their hand on your shoulder and say, let's, let's pray for our brother. That's the, that's the honorarium for preaching. Let's pray for our brother. It's sowing and sowing and sowing. And so, and I remember there were days I would question God. I said, look at these guys. I mean, I'll point to all kinds of guys who were in their harvest season. And I said, look, what am I doing wrong? 
I'm faithful. I'm not living in sin. I'm doing all that you called me to do. I'm praying. I'm fasting. And this guy is eating all he's eating. And look at him. I don't know what season he's in, but you have to understand when you are in a sowing season, you can, you can fast a thousand days and still there'll be no breakthrough. Fasting won't change your seasons. Because God says, this is where I want you to be. I want you to sow. 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 Because suddenly, out of nowhere, there will be a harvest. And people are going to look around and say, where did he come from? Well, he came from the field. He's been sowing. He's sowed. And sometimes you sow in different people's fields. You saw in that field and that field and that field and that field and that field. Then 21 years later, when you least expect it, it's summertime, it's wintertime, and you are reaping from that field and reaping from that field. And, and people are going to look at you and say, it's favor. No, it's not favor. It's seasons. It's seasons. My season just changed. I wasn't just sitting there to receive favor. God allowed me to sow for 21 years. And I'm reaping after 21 years. Sometimes you go through a night season where nobody recognizes you. If you were a preacher, it's one of the toughest seasons to be in. You preach all the great messages. You see people on TV preaching and you know you you can do better than them. I used to watch people on TV. I said, ah, 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 how could he get on TV? How could he get on TV? Look at what he's saying. He's in the light. I'm in the dark. And I'm preaching all these. You know, many messages I've preached that people have said, have blessed them that message. You said, blessed you. Messages I've preached. I preach them in a classroom. In my dark season. I preach my lungs out. All my best messages were preached in that small classroom to 40 people. I was a powerful teacher. But in darkness. Then when I came to the light, I went back and repackaged it. Same word. Same word. Now when I preach it, people say, wow, wow. Yeah, I preached it in darkness. I preached it in darkness. Somebody's day is coming. Somebody's light is coming. Somebody's harvest is coming. Somebody's summer is coming. Somebody's about to be exposed. Somebody's about to reap a harvest. Somebody's about to stand in a place of honor. Don't be a child concerning the seasons of life. Don't be a child. Don't look at your life and just look at where you are and say, this is where I'm always going to be. That's a child thinking. Be an adult. Be an elder. Have understanding. Have understanding of the mature. And when you have understanding, 
there is no place you are now that will be a disadvantage to you. May the Lord bring you to your own. The over will be birthed. That dream God gave you will be fulfilled. That idea he gave you will be fulfilled. May the Lord establish you. May he cause you to gain ground. May he make room for you. May he make you a thousand times more. In all that you do. In Jesus name. Somebody celebrate the Lord this evening.